back to another bonus episode of SMT, a part of the Travelog Media Network. We're thrilled to introduce you to EVP investigator Rick Kieber. He is also author of the Frost and Flame trilogy novels based on his investigations, ex- investigation experiences. Welcome, Rick. Hi. Thanks for having me tonight. So you are a seasoned author, uh, paranormal investigator. Uh, you own your own investigation company. You seem to dabble in a lot of different areas. Um, how did you become interested in the field of EVP? Was there a particular in- incident that sparked your initial interest? Uh, oh, you know, a lot of things. I've always had a, a curiosity about the unusual and unexplained. Um, I think really one of the one of the biggest uh, incidents or or not incidents I get one of the biggest uh, things that happened in my life that I would attribute it to was uh, would be the combination of two things in one really Uh, my son was born uh, in 2000 and um, you know that that was an amazing experience in itself but then in in 2001 right after the 9-11 incident um, my brother who was three years older than me 36 at the time um passed away from a a stroke sitting on his couch and he was a healthy guy he was a martial arts instructor and um there was no real explanation for the for the strokes that caused his death and that got me to thinking you know what if that would have been me just having you know a child you know just over a year old and um you know if that happens, do you ever see that child again? Is there more than this life? You know, I, as a young child, I was, you know, brought up, uh, you know, to believe in Christianity, the Bible, etc., etc. Um, but I, I kind of lost faith, if you will, and so I wasn't really sure what was what was happening after this life, and so through some research and different things, I, I actually uh, stumbled across a television show that had just started uh, called The Ghost Hunters, uh, connected with uh, the, the Jason Hawes. Uh, I'm sure the name sounds familiar to some of the folks listening. Yes. And he and I chatted a bit, and long story short, he said, you know, if there's something that interests you, you know, just do a little research and, and start doing some investigating on your own. And I said, you know, hey, yeah, that's easy for you to say, you know, you're this big paranormal person. And, and uh, I said, I'm just a painter, which, you know, that's that was my career. Um, so he said, um, he said, well, Matt, I'm just a plumber. And the only difference between you and me is I got a TV show. Mm-hmm. And I thought got, thought about that a lot. And <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, long story short, I I picked up a few pieces of equipment and pretended to be a paranormal investigator as I did research on it. So, uh, you know, long story short, I would say that was probably the, the passing of my brother that that was the biggest uh, push to start investigating, um, you know, the afterlife, if you will, or the, the unknown. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so it really was a, a drive to communicate in in some way to see if you maybe could communicate. Um, sort of, but honestly, more so than that was just to try to find out if there's more uh, once we leave this life. You know, mm-hmm. um, I never, I never did it with the intention of communicating with my brother. 
uh, or anyone else that I knew. Uh, it was just to see if, you know, these stories of places being haunted could possibly prove that there's, you know, there's an afterlife, whatever that may be. And I didn't even set out to prove what it may be, just that it, it may exist. I'm so sorry mm-hmm. to hear about your brother. Thank you for that. Um, you know, 20 years later, it's still, you know, it's, it still hurts a little. But, you know, he and I, he and I were very close uh, all growing up. Uh, actually, one of five children. He and I were, were close in age. And, um, yeah, so it's, you know, it was a tough loss. But, as again, 20 years later, and, you know, most things heal. So, all fond memories. So, mm-hmm. we're, I'm curious to know, like, uh, prior to the loss of your brother, what, what was your, um, you know, what was your, how did you con- conceive of, you know, the other side and, you know, um, uh, Honestly, you, know, you, you I, mentioned. You know, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I have to, not to throw a wrench in anything. I was raised Catholic. Um, and I always make the joke when people ask. I say, well, one year I just gave it up for Lent. Um, so any Catholic <laughs> out there will get that joke. <laughs> yes, or being a cafeteria Catholic. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, you know, actually I tried several different, um, visiting several different Christian churches and looking into other religions as well, just to see what, you know, what everyone thought or what other religions taught. Um, and I, what I found was that a lot of them taught the same positive lessons. Um, and then they all had some negative too, but most of those I think were not necessarily written down. They were just what certain congregations or certain beliefs or, or, um, well, what am I trying to say? Um, different sects, if you will, or, or whatever, what, what they chose denominations. to teach. Yes, mm-hmm. denominations. Thank you. <laughs> what they chose to teach. <laughs> um, not necessarily that it was the correct thing to teach or even part of the actual original religion. Um, I find most religions are, I think they get it wrong because they think their religion is right. And I think all religions are right and all religions are wrong. So I kind of became more of a spiritualist. I believed in, in trying to do the best you can do for yourself, for other people, for mm-hmm. the universe in general. I was always a very scientific-minded person from my childhood on. Um, and in fact, that was my, my, my major study in high school. Um, I, I had more than a double major in science when I graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think really my beliefs prior to that um, were that, you know, as Einstein said, you know, energy isn't created or destroyed, it simply yes. trans- transfers. So I thought there's, you know, there's a chance that we go on in some way. It may not be a consciousness, but, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't just disappear. Uh, so our energy, at least, is transferred somehow. So I, 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 that's kind of the belief I had before. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew that I wasn't just going to vanish into thin air. And you know, my, I would still be here in some form. I would become part of the earth. My energy would become part of something else. Uh, mm-hmm. So in, in a way, we we all are perpetual and um, 
you know, we all live forever in that way. Um, but I didn't know. I was I, I was wanted to think that we had, um, you know, a consciousness after death, but yeah. I didn't know that I believed that or not. And that's, I think that's what I was searching for. Right, and it, it sounds like you were um, trying to marry those two things together. Where where does you know the your science based mind meet up with your your concept of of spirituality and and the religious construct that that was set forth by your family? Yes, because I mean you know they always say space is the final frontier, and I always thought, well, that's that's kind of narrow minded. Um, <laughs> we, we've been looking into the stars forever, um, and, and people have been trying to answer the questions about the afterlife forever, but no one ever has gone there and come back and said, here's what I found. Um, so uh, to me, that's, that's the final frontier. So, so you, so the, the investigations that you, that you've been doing and being able to use the equipment, um, you know, in, in the beginning, was really, you know, an, an attempt to, to do just that. It sounds like that was, um, the drive, uh, to, to discover, you know, to, to solidify, validate life after death. Yes. Yes. For myself. And then of course, because at that time, um, this, this field of paranormal investigation and, and things was really starting to uh, kind of explode onto the scene. Um, I was on board with everyone else that was a legitimate investigator um, and and researcher and wanting to find some answers, you know, to share with the world, if you will. I mean, not that I wanted the credit for it, but, but who wouldn't love to be able to prove that there is some form of life after death, you know, in a scientific way. So that was initially, that was my one of my first thoughts was that would be one of the greatest discoveries mankind's ever had. Uh, yes. Yeah, because what it's that's a big question is what what people are willing to accept as proof. Um, maybe you can exactly. speak more. Maybe you can speak more to that. Are there have have you have you been able to capture sounds, images, whatever, what have you to, uh, that you know that has been really really convincing and to you know. I yeah. Yes, I absolutely have. And I, in, you know, I've also, I've done so many um, events where, I've, you know, I've been a speaker um, and, and shown these images and played these audio clips and things and video clips for people. And what I've, what I've come to find is, is as the truth, regardless, you know, across the board, the truth is, you'll never be able to prove it to a true skeptic and you'll never be able to disprove it to a true believer mm. mm -hmm. um, regardless because it really comes down to what a person believes because if you believe that it doesn't exist you'll always find an explanation or a rational reasoning behind any audio sound or anything captured on the camera there's there's always a way to disprove it or discredit it if that's what you want to do Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, at least, at least in your own mind. So I, you know, and honestly, this is something I think I mentioned fairly extensively in my first book, um, or at least I know I do when I uh, when I discuss it. 
Um, I had such a, an a unbelievable experience with that particular investigation that I no longer needed proof. And regardless of what I could capture or couldn't capture, I knew that, that certain mm -hmm. people would never believe it. Mm -hmm. um, so at that point, I really kind of switched the effort with the team from being this scientific, we still went at it as a scientific viewpoint mostly, but I went, I switched the gears from being a scientific minded team of, of folks who were trying to, to prove something in, using the scientific method to mm -hmm. folks that were trying to help people experiencing these things. Um, mm -hmm. Cause that we could do. You know, even if we were disproving something or proving or showing alternate re reasons for something, or even if we were, you know, showing that there was some sort of, uh, you know, unexplainable phenomenon going on, whether it be a haunting or or other supernatural event. Um, if we could just show these folks that, A, there's, there's a legitimate logical reason for what you've experienced and here it is, or yes, you're experiencing something supernatural and we've experienced it as well. Mm -hmm. Either one of those helps people because they feel so much better when they can either rationalize something or they know they're not crazy. Someone else, you know, a whole team of folks have come in and they've experienced this as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, to me, that's that really is better than proving life after death. If I can help somebody, that's that's what it's all about. <laughs> Right. Let's. Um, well, well it, I, I think I'm. I'm curious to know about some of the uh, technology you know that you were using, you know, in your investigation. Do you want to speak to some of that? Exactly what what it was, and maybe how that changed over the course sure. of your investigations. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, we've used everything from the infrared camera systems. Um, to, uh, of course, digital photography, um, analog and digital audio recording devices, um, and a, a number of standard pieces of equipment that are used, such as the the electromagnetic field detectors. Mm -hmm. um, there's a wide variety of those, and we use several of them. We use uh, I've used a laser grid uh, to try to detect the movements. Um, really what did I found, you, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, did you find one piece of equipment that was more effective over another? Well, I found one that I felt like we were getting more conclusive, I guess, evidence and information from, and that's, that's the digital recording devices. Um, okay. You know, we, we've used the the EMF detectors, the electromagnetic field detectors, and they can show spikes in energy, uh, random spikes, or, or it can, you can show where energy fields are coming from, which that's handy. Um, and sometimes those have been used to try to communicate. The problem is you don't really know. If you ask a question and say, you know, if the answer is yes, you know, make this particular instrument light up. You'll see that a lot on these shows. And the instrument yeah. will light up. You don't know if that's really what's happening or not. You don't know if that's really a yes or not. Maybe, maybe it's a reaction. If there is a reaction from the other side, maybe it's 
maybe it's anger and they're trying to do something and this energy comes across and you get it as an answer of yes and it's, maybe that's not what it is. Right. Uh, but we have had some, you know, and I think we spoke about this uh, briefly uh, before, um, EVP, which is a, um, you know, an acronym for my team, which is Evansville Vandenberg Paranormal, uh, also an acronym for Electronic Voice Phenomenon, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, why we use that. Uh, name it's it's kind of a dual purpose so electronic mm-hmm. voice phenomenon is whenever you make a recording and you capture a voice that you don't hear with your ears right um so we found a lot of times we actually would get um voices on our recorders that that no one else experienced in person that are live sometimes they would be a direct answer to a question uh we had or a just sometimes it would be a random conversation a couple of investigators were having and another voice would chime in, um, which would give us some wow. insights as to what was going on. Mm. Uh, so those, those are always helpful. Uh, and I think I got more information from that than anything else. Was, was there uh, one memorable investigation? Was there, was there any one that uh, really scared you or oh, Lord. startled you? Uh, you know, the one of the first, what I consider real uh, intensive investigations uh, was what my first book was about. And yes, it did. There was uh, a few times that I actually was, was scared. And I used to tell everybody, you know, I've never been scared of anything. You know, that's what I want, something to scare me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't say that anymore. Um, really? Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and that's something that I, I, any listeners out there who are thinking I want to, I would love to get into the paranormal field to do some research. I'd love to have that experience. Uh, you know, watch what you wish for. Um, because once you've wow. had an experience like that, you know, you, you can't unhave that experience. It's with you. It forever. changes you. Mm. Yeah, it does. Um, and not always in a good way. Mm. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's better to not know. Um, uh, I know I kind had, of uh, in, in the first book, Forever Ash, um, it's uh, about this, uh, the spirit of the ghost of a young child, um, a young girl. I, I'm guessing, you know, nine to 11 age, something by the size. And, and by what we've discovered, what we've uh, researched. Um, and I recall one night, at this time I lived in an apartment building. Um, and one night during a large thunderstorm, I thought I saw something in the corner that I didn't belong there in the corner of my room. It was middle of the night. I'd woken up and I guess the storm woke me up and I just kind of was glancing around the room trying to get my senses. And I thought, what is that in the corner of the room? And the lightning flashed again and there was a girl standing in the corner of my room and Wow. I don't want to go into a lot of detail on that, um, but you know, but I literally fell out of bed, like jumping backwards. I literally fell out of bed mm-hmm. and reached, you know, turned the light on. Of course, she wasn't there. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I tried to go back to sleep. I didn't necessarily, you know, not to sound like, <laughs> not to <laughs> sound like that guy, but I, I, I'm not going to say whether I turned the lights back off or not. But I tried to go back to sleep, <laughs> and. Uh, I, I couldn't. About four o'clock in the morning, I ended up getting up, making coffee, and I think this incident happened 
about around two or so. So I, I tried to go back to sleep for a couple of hours and was unable to. And that's that particular instance has stuck with me now for 14 years. I wow. will never forget wow. that. I will never forget what I saw that night. Um, mm. And that was, I was not ready for, for that at all. I hadn't done enough research. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. You know, I kind of, I jumped in with both feet and wasn't ready. I didn't have my life jacket on, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, mm. yeah, so I, I caution folks, you know, to, before they go out there to have that experience to make sure that, you know, that they're, they're ready better. for it. Yeah. 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 Although I Was don't that know that you can ever really be ready <laughs> to see some of the things. No, no, I don't know that I ever could have been ready, but I could have probably maybe been more prepared had I, had I, done more research, spoken to more people about what they'd experienced. And it still would have been, I'm sure I would have fallen out of bed backwards again, but <laughs> at least at that mm -hmm. point, I would, I would say, you know what? I knew this was a possibility and I did it anyway. Um, when I first got into it, I, you know, outside of horror movies, I thought, you know, I didn't know that all I knew what was on TV and you don't see much on TV. So, right. Now, this experience you just described was this. This was uh, early on in your uh, uh, investigations. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. How did that? This was how did that? First year. Okay. So, and then how did that? You know, affect you know the course of your other investigations. Oh, I think drastically. Uh, you know, I was absolutely more cautious about about what investigations I took on. Uh, did a lot more research before I actually jumped into. Uh, the investigating where I might be exposed to, to something or someone from the other side. Um, and mm -hmm. investigation where, where, you know, I knew that, uh, no matter what I did, people weren't going to believe what I had to say. Mm -hmm. You know, I had no proof of what happened to me. <laughs> So it didn't at that point it didn't really matter anymore. It's like I, I'm just going to try to help this family that that's experiencing this as well. Mm -hmm. So wow. uh, yeah, so that's that was one of the, the biggest things that changed with that particular investigation. So, so you've uh, I imagine you've uh, accumulated um, quite a bit of material, you know, in the forms of you know recordings and you know um, you know audio video. Um, what how, what do you do with it? How do you is there like a, how do you catalog it? What do you what is there an archive system like? What happens to it? Well, you know, I, I yeah, I used to actually have I guess if you call it an archive system um, through our our website for the team. Um, unfortunately, uh, something happened there. I, I lost access to the website and uh, in turn lost access to most of the. Uh, audio and, and video recordings and things like that. And I do I do still have some, you know, quite a few on uh, flash drive and, and things like that, which is where I started after we had the incident where we lost access to our website. Um, I started putting everything on onto uh, USB flash drives. Uh, so I've got a number of those. Um, and uh, honestly, outside of a few... Uh, specific requests or uh, and depending on what those are and 
uh, fundraising events. I, I don't do much investigating anymore. So okay. most of most of what I do now is is telling the stories of what's what I've experienced, um, and occasionally, you know, if there's a real need, someone that I know through the field wants my assistance with the with a particular case, you know, I'll, I'll help in that situation. Or, for example, this weekend, uh, I'm going down to uh, to Paducah, Kentucky, with a, a good friend of mine, Rick Hayes, who is a, uh, a well-respected um, psychic medium, and we are we are doing a fundraiser for the African American Museum down there, which is the hmm. also the Hotel Metropolitan. Ah, um, wonderful! It was an African American hotel back at the turn of the 1900s. And um, all of the, a lot of the very famous um, um, recording artists and um, athletes would, would actually stay there. It was in the Green Book, if you're familiar with what the Green Book is. Um, it was just a, a safe place for, for African Americans to stay, uh, time of general law, and things of that nature. Do you want to just uh, run by run us run us through what is what is the green book for for those unf I'm not quite familiar. Uh, sure, sure. The green book was basically a list of places that African Americans could go and stay safely or go get something to eat safely d during their travels. Mm -hmm. um, back in the early 1900s and even into the 50s and 60s, uh, even with the civil rights movement, um, they didn't feel welcome in a lot of places, and a lot of times it was actually dangerous for them to go into certain areas. So they they put together this this green book, which was basically a, these these places are green lit, it's safe for you to go. Uh, you can go here, and they've got a room. They, you can go here, and they've got a hotel, or they have a restaurant that you can go to, and right. you know that would help folks travel across the country um, and not put themselves or their families in danger. Okay. So this particular one was was on a uh, a route that was known, and this is uh, not to offend anyone, but it was known as the Chitlin Circuit, um, mm. and everyone from um, Ella Fitzgerald to um, uh, James Brown, Chevy Checker, I'm trying to think of some of the the big ones, Ike and Tina Turner, um, the folks who have who visited this place were were just. Unbelievable, and they and a lot of them frequented. Ike and Tina Turner had their own room that they stayed in every time they came. A lot of these folks did. Um, it's just it's unreal. He was a Ray Charles had his own room. All of the rooms mm -hmm. were in upstairs. It was actually just kind of a cracker box kind of a building with with like six or eight, I guess, eight guest bedrooms upstairs, one shared bathroom. <laughs> wow. And then the downstairs was a dining hall, a kitchen, a laundry facility, uh, and out back was a, a place called the Purple Room, which was a, like a bar. It also had a, a, a salon in it where they could have their hair done and a place where they could have a suit pressed and clean, uh, which was pretty unusual for a, an African-American hotel back in those days. Sure. Um, but uh, Ray Charles actually had, had asked if they could take this, basically a, a cupboard behind the kitchen and put a bed in it for him because he didn't want to traverse the stairs up and down. So that mm -hmm. ended up becoming a, a bedroom as well, a, an additional bedroom. 
and he stayed in there uh, every time he came through the area. Um, in fact, there's even a uh, there's a, a photo of him and his brother hanging on the wall where it's where he's thanking the Hotel Metropolitan for always giving him a place to stay. And uh, wow. it's it's just an amazing place. Um, but there is a lot of a lot of energy there. Um, there are you know we've we've encountered some some very I don't want to say anything hostile, but some very uncomfortable uh, experiences there. And I, I, my wife actually had, had one and I, she won't let me talk about it. <laughs> I wish I could because <laughs> okay. it's okay. amazing if I could, I actually took video of this experience that she was having and she was, I, I wish I could go into the details, but it's, uh, Off it's limits, just an huh? amazing place. So I, <laughs> you know, we do fundraisers for things like that, you know, close to Halloween, we'll find a, we'll pick a spot. And, um, uh, this is, this is one of those that, I, I like to frequent myself, and then we've done a few fundraisers for them. But my mm -hmm. wife and I went there. We'll rent the whole place out just for ourselves for a weekend. And, and uh, you know, we, we just go there because we love the nostalgia, you know, to, mm -hmm. to sleep in the same room that Tina Turner slept in or that, you know, B.B. King slept in. Um, wow. Or, you know, um, I mean, it's just, uh, oh, my gosh. The list goes on and on. I, I, there's a couple that I can't even think of i can't can't remember their names uh my gosh um and i wish i could because they're, they're just some unbelievable folks um mm -hmm. well when you're looking at specific locations um how do you i mean are there specific criteria criteria that need to be met before you'll something real i mean really interest you in, in an area or a, a dwelling or um yeah definitely um especially in the past whenever we were you know investigating on a more full-time uh, basis um there was always an interview process there was research done on the home no offense to anyone who may have had us out but we did research on the folks that lived there you know background checks and mm -hmm. things like that just to see you know um we would ask you know a lot of questions in the interviews about you know, medications folks were on, histories, things like that. So, you know, not that those necessarily ruled things out, but um, a lot of times you can get a lot of information through things like that, that uh, and through interviewing uh, other people that either know them, know the location, or maybe even live there. Um, there's been a, a number of times that we've we found out that someone's just a, a big fan of the paranormal and they want to have someone investigate their house because they think it's cool. Uh, uh, you know, so they, they make up some stories. So, you know, you have to do a little research into who the folks are, what their, what their background is, and then talk to the people who know them, you know, or people mm -hmm. who live with them and say, okay, this, do you think this is legitimate? Have you had any experiences? What do you think? Do you believe them? Have you ever, have they ever talked to you about this? And a lot of times they're like, no, they've never talked to me about it, but we've watched the shows before or something like that. And it's like, well, if, mm -hmm. if, if you're their best friend and they've never mentioned it to you, but they're going to contact me, that's a red flag. Um, mm. So there, you know, there are certain things like that that would, you know, there'd be a criteria that we'd, we'd want folks to meet. You know, if this is something that, that we know that people have, have gone elsewhere looking for, for help, that's, that's usually a, a, a green flag for us. 
if we're not mm -hmm. the first ones that they've had come out. Um, I've actually done a couple of follow-ups to some paranormal TV shows that have come to our area and done recorded some shows um, because the people that that owned the property said, you know, it was just a Hollywood production. They didn't do anything. They didn't help anything. Uh, uh, like when they left, hmm. when they left, it was worse. Um, so. <laughs> Well, I, you know, and, and you have to, I look at that, um, um, some of the ghost hunters will uh, incite, try and incite an experience, and, and I can imagine that stirs things up. Yes, and that's one of our cardinal rules, is is to never provoke anything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, offer, for, offer communication, but never provoke something, like, I dare you to do this. I bet you can't do that, you know. Mm. Um, you know, and that happens a lot on these TV shows. And, you know, sometimes I think that's just for for the shock factor. I think a lot of it's, I, I know actually a lot of it is is production value. And it's because the the TV producers and directors are like, you know, we, we're trying to sell something here. You know, and if people, if there's nothing that people want to buy, we're not going to be on the air very long. So we need something right. that's going to excite people that they're going to come back next week. Right. Um, so, because I, I, I know a few folks that have, well, quite a few folks who had television shows or, or done paranormal documentaries, and and they say they all say the same thing. You know, at first, they pretend like they care about, you know, you and your goals and your dreams and what you want to do and helping people, and and by the time you sign that second contract, all they care about is selling commercials, mm. and you know that's that's sad. But that's right. that's the reality of it, and that's you know, yeah. unfortunately, that comes into play, even when you're not doing a television show. Um, you know, this time of year, uh, when my group was really active, this would be this was our busy time. And it's not because ghosts are more active around Halloween, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. It's exactly. because everybody's got that mindset. Oh, it's it's Halloween time. It's scary. Let's see if there's a ghost here. <laughs> there's there's a time to be scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, it's it's sad that people have that mindset, you know, that, oh, we need to have somebody come out because, you know, I, uh, I the door was closed and I don't remember closing that door. So I think we have a ghost. Like, why why right. didn't you think that way in, in April when it happened? <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hi. So. Yeah. Well, Rick, um, I'm really I'm curious to know more about your uh, experience as an author. I mean, you've written quite a number of books and, you know, you mentioned uh, the experience you had and how that made it into one of your novels. You know, how did the, how did those two worlds uh, merge? You know, how did you decide to novelize your experiences as an investigator? Um, actually, um, my my first uh, the first book I, I wrote actually is just a short story. I think it was about 50 pages long, 40 to 50 pages long. And I gave it to my teammates to read. I was like, Hey, remember this investigation? Take, you know, I'll just read this and let me know what you think about it. I just wanted to kind of document it. And, and they're like, Oh, this reads, this reads like a novel. This is good. And, uh, I had a couple of them say, we should write the whole story. I thought, well, I thought I did write the whole story, but I, maybe I didn't. <laughs> um, so, um, I guess long story short, uh, I, I looked into it and I thought, you know, what would be neat 
because by the time I actually did write the whole story, if you will, it ended up being about 200 pages. And I thought, you know, what would be nice would be to get this printed and bound like an actual book and I could put it on the shelf. And then someday my son can tell his son, your grandpa wrote this book, Hmm. you know. Um, So long story short, I, or long story longer, um, I found a way to uh, self-publish through Amazon. And a lot of folks do that. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, cool, I'll, I'm going to have a dozen of these printed up. And I'm going to have a party. And, and I'll put this one on the shelf. And then we'll just, you know, be done with it. So I, I did <laughs> just that. You know, I had a, a book release party for me and a few close friends. And it was kind of, kind of a joke. I mean, it was kind of the intention was it was just kind of a joke because I'm not an author. And so I didn't think much of it. And about, I don't remember how long it was, three weeks, six weeks later or something, I get an email from Amazon with a royalties report. And I'm like, oh, I I sold some books. (laughs) Surprise. And I got to look and I had sold quite a few. And I really started watching then and I watched the book climb the charts in the supernatural and paranormal uh, genres and wow. it, it hit number one on Amazon a few times um, and I started having people contact me that I didn't know and said when is your next book coming out and nice. so I thought, you know I've, I've had a few other investigations that were probably worthy of telling about so I, I started mm-hmm. writing the second book and by that time I was doing a ton of radio interviews um, seemed like two or three a month and, um, and you know, it was going quite well, uh, I thought. Um, but really, the, what initially started me writing it was just, you know, I've got this story that I really, I, w- I don't want it to just die with me. I want it to, I want somebody else to know about it. And, you know, it's, I, but by the time it was all said and done, parts of it were fictionalized because I couldn't get the family to agree to allow me to use a lot of the, you know, uh, well, well, they they didn't agree to let me use anything, <laughs> the location, uh, the the names or anything. Everything had to be changed. So, um, you know, so I I wrote it down as a as a work of fiction based on my experiences. But it's mm-hmm. it's in my opinion more fact than fiction. The important parts I think are are there that are are real. Um, some of the fiction in it is things that where I may have filled in a gap or two to make it read more fluently, fluidly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you know, all in all, it's, um, it was a kind of a leap jumping off point. It okay. wasn't intended to start a writing career, but it kind of did for, for a period of time. I, I haven't written much in the last couple of years. I've been more focused on, um, on my actual job, daytime job, if you will. I'm getting close mm-hmm. to retiring from that. I've got a, uh, I'm not not quite that old, but I've been able to invest well, and and hoping within the next few months uh, to maybe a year uh, retire full time, and then maybe go back to to writing a bit more. <laughs> more time for writing, exactly. Nice. Yeah. 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 So. Do you so, want to tell I don't us know about if that answered um, your question or not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> 
Do you want to talk about any of the, the um, people you've worked with uh, dur during these investigations? Um, you know, how did you how did you oh. decide who to work with? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, my my team started out. I've, the first person that joined my team uh, was a woman who who contacted me, and this will give you a little bit of a time frame uh, through MySpace. Okay. Uh, back before Facebook was really a thing. Um, <laughs> I, I had a MySpace account. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. So you know where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that's how I was contacted, uh, you know, because she was living in a house that was haunted. So she also had, uh, uh, a passion for the paranormal, if you will. And, um, long story short, her house, did have a lot of activity and I ended up uh, or she and I ended up investigating that location a few times getting some great evidence and I asked her if she wanted to be basically my first team member and um, after that we had a few come and go uh, I had a husband and wife that were part of the team for a while and they were great but they, they moved out of state uh, and those things mm -hmm. happened uh, then had a few that came on board that I wish I hadn't invited on board. Those things happen as well. Um, mm -hmm. But I tried to keep the, the core team small. Um, but uh, the you know by the by the end of the first year or so, we we had a, a, you know the core four of our team, uh, which you know included uh, a, a psychic medium. Um, mm -hmm. because a lot of times it was, it was interesting to see if, you know, if what we had researched and what he would find out just by walking into a place and here's what I feel, see if any of that matched up, you know, and a lot of times it did. Mm -hmm. Um, and he also was an ordained minister. He could, uh, you know, perform a, a house blessing, things of that nature, which a lot of times gave the families peace of mind. Uh, and to, mm -hmm. to us, that was important. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of times we, you know, I've done a lot of interviews for folks to, that wanted to join the team. You know, very rarely did I help, you know, bring anybody new on. But even then, even after a, you know, in-depth interview, a lot of times you really don't know until they get out there and and have a few uh, investigations under their belt as to whether or not they're reliable, trustworthy. You know, the, the the core four team members I had, if they said something happened, I didn't question it. There was never any elaborate stories that were unbelievable, in my opinion, because I was I experienced things with them at, at mm -hmm. times, and and neither, no one exaggerated anything. We, you know, okay, write down what you saw. I'm going to write down what I saw or what you heard. And it was, we always, you know, we're pretty much right on board or right on track with each other as far as, um, like I said, nobody exaggerating anything beyond the reality. Um, now, I did, in, in my second book, I tell a story about a, a young man that wanted to join the team really bad. And we had him uh, come on with uh, a public uh, investigation and a fundraiser for a place called the Owl's Nest. And mm -hmm. um, I, during uh, one of the uh, overnights that we were doing this fundraiser, I said he'd just take uh, his first time there, 
or first time out with this. I said, take this recorder and take this uh, EMF detector. Just go across the hallway into that storage room and just sit there, ask some questions, you know, make conversation with, you know, like I, I pretend there's a ghost in there with you or someone's in there with you and ask questions. Because it's really a lot more awkward than you think. And it's mm -hmm. something you have to get used to doing. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay. So he walks across the hall. And it's just, it's basically in a basement, almost a cellar type situation. So it's not really a hallway, but it, there are doorways. So he's, he's in this other section that's a, a storage area. And I'm with this guy I was talking about, Rick Hayes, um, psychic medium. We were across the way in uh, an old boiler room. Uh, and I hear this noise and it sounds like it's just a little clatter. And I'm like, oh, crap, he's fallen over something or he's knocked something over. Or hopefully he's not hurt. So I kind of rush over there, and he has his flashlight on, and he's ghostly white. And there are bingo cards fluttering through the air. And I mean, mm -hmm. oh, wow. literally, and I'm wow. like, what's going on? And he said, that box of cards up there just blew up. It just They just came flying out at me. Wow. And I looked up, and there was a... a cardboard box and it still had you know several hundred bingo cards laying in it um but they were just covering the floor and long you know I, I say this a lot but long story short he went home and and never came back to helpless so <laughs> like i said you know you gotta be careful what you wish for because he yeah. he didn't expect anything like that uh, wow. I, I didn't really either. I wouldn't have sent him in there by himself. Um, but yeah. uh, but these things, believe it or not, do happen. A lot of people think that, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors, but it's unfortunately not. Mm -hmm. No, no. So, um, yeah, so, so, you know, choosing a team member, you can do a background check all you want, but until you actually work with somebody a couple of times, you, you don't know what their, you know, what their character really is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've had some great folks that ended up, you know, having substance issues, you know, and that's a problem. Mm. Um, oh, wow. You know, great people, you know, good investigators, but sometimes the substances get in the way. You know, you, you can't trust somebody to tell you that they've had an experience when you don't know what's fueled that experience. Right. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's... There's no, in my in my opinion, there's no real science to, to picking the right investigator. Uh, you just. It's a gut. Sounds like it's a gut feeling. It really is, you know. You do the best you can, and then sometimes you just have to say, "Look, it's not working out," you know. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you get lucky, you know, and you get that person, like the first one, Jennifer, um, and she's actually coming down to the hotel metropolitan, and this is what. Um, 13 over 13 years after after we met so and she joined the team nice yeah yeah well that sounds that this has been amazing um, <laughs> well i hope you know. it's been informative and, <laughs> and i hope it's uh you know you got some good material that you guys can yeah uh can uh, share yeah of course yeah, absolutely. Fascinating. All of it. I wish there were a way I could I could send you 
you know, like a e-copy of my book or something, but I don't know really how I can do that. I don't have a, I really don't have access to like give away Kindle versions or anything. We can get our hands. We'll, yeah. We'll get our hands on those. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that, that first one, it's, it, uh, you know, I get a lot of, a lot of uh, good reviews on that first, well, on all of them, but on the first one, especially, um, that's the one I'm, I'm kind of the happiest with or, or whatever, most proud of maybe. It's a little, you know, like I say, it's a little more fictionalized than the others because I couldn't use the actual locations and things. But mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's probably the, you know, the most life-changing event I've ever had uh, that I wrote mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely include um, where you can find these these links on all our social media. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. Amazon right now is the best place. Barnes & Noble carries them in, in various locations, but not necessarily nationwide. Uh, but so I always direct people towards Amazon. Okay. Okay, so, yeah. We'll, we'll be happy to show this. do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. All right. Well, this has been so much fun. Yeah. Fantastic. Author and EVP investigator rick kieber thank you so much for being on the show we'd love to have you back anytime well fantastic thank you very much for having me it was an honor and and uh, and a pleasure i really enjoyed it and <laughs> i'd love to come back too. anytime so just you know you've got my contact information just shoot me a message or an email and you know we'll we'll do this again sure awesome sounds, thank sounds you great. so much <laughs> you're welcome bye good night And that's going to do it for this month's bonus episode. Please do check out the episodes one and two if you haven't already. And look for the links in the show notes. We'll see you next time.